so this week we're reading about how when the Jewish people got closer to the land of Israel, they uh, made a big mistake. And you see how something which seems like a very uh, inconsequential thing has a really a huge impact. So when we left Egypt, we left with our heads held high, very proud to go with Hashem and to go into the desert, we weren't afraid. And we got close to the land of Israel, so we asked Moshe Rabbeinu if he would send spies to find out the what kind of land it is and what the best way to conquer the land. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, I have to ask Hashem. And Hashem said, you know what Hashem said? If you think it's a good idea, then you could send spies. So it wasn't, Hashem told me you should send spies, but he said, if, if you, I'm not going to tell you what to do. If you think it's a good idea, you should send the spies. So the spies come to Israel. In Israel, there are these huge giants. And Hashem made a plague. Like in Mitzrayim, Hashem made a plague in, in, in Egypt. And the plague was, in, Hashem sent a plague to them because Hashem didn't want the spies that Moshe Ben and those 12 men, to be attacked by the giants. Since the giants were so busy because of the plague, they were busy, they were being hurt, and there were, there, there was, there were people passing away. So because they were so busy, so, so they didn't pay attention to these little people that had come into the land of Israel. That, that's the reason that some sent But in fact, the, the 12 people, they didn't appreciate what Hashem did. They said, these people are so big and we're never, never going to be able to conquer the land of Israel and, and we have to go back to Egypt. Egypt was great. And when, so even though Hashem did it, did it for their sake to help them, they took it the wrong way. So Hashem was helping them, but they said, oh, we don't, they didn't appreciate it. So what happens is when they came back to, to all the Jewish people and they told them, we can conquer the land of Israel, what do you think everybody did? Everybody started to cry. Everyone was crying and crying. And Hashem said, you're crying for other reason. And because you're crying for other reason, there's, there's, going to be, there's going to be a lot of crying. And that's what Hashem said. For generations. And that night was 9th of Av. 9th of Av is also the day the first and base, the second base was destroyed. And it's also the night when the uh, final solution was drafted. It's also the, the, the night the Jewish people were expelled from Egypt and from Spain. And uh, World War One began that day. So, uh, so, so the question is, what was so wrong? So they cried. So because so, of a few tears that were spilled in the wrong direction, such a terrible thing happened. And the question is, why? What was, what was so significant? I mean, I mean we think of, think of crying as like something almost noble, like, like, like it, was, it, was, it was so emotional, it touched me so deeply, and I, and I cried. But here it was considered to be such a heinous crime that there's a tears for generations. So... And every year we know on Tisha B'Av, the time we say the kinnis and everything, and the question is, what's going on? The answer is, it's not the tears itself that's the issue, it's what caused the tears. What caused the tears was this fear. And when Hashem says that the, the, the tears will cause the tears for generation, what Hashem means is that the fear they had then, it still exists, and that fear is not a healthy fear. And that fear is, 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 the, is the issue. It's not the tears, it's a fear that caused the tears. So there are all kinds of fear that, that we have that are rational, and all kinds of fear we have which are totally irrational, totally like, like, like um, disproportionate. I don't know if you heard, but in, uh, it was just a, a, 
it, I shouldn't say it now, one of these children, but uh, a lot of scary things happen. But people are, 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 are uh, some people are scared, they walk on the street, they walk on the sidewalk, and they're afraid like a, a, a car is going to go on the sidewalk. It's not a thing, it's not a, it's not a thing something to think about. I think about it all the time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere we go, I've got an exit plan. I know, like, as soon as I go into a store, I think of who I'm going to, how I'm going to take them all, and I'm going to grab them. I go on the sidewalk. She had a lot of fun at parties. Probably the worst. <laughs> you know, the beach day. yesterday, she was behind me, and I was like, what's my path to her? Somebody got the bed. Like, yeah. Wow. Okay, so, so, and it's not like totally unfounded. These things, unfortunately, it, it can happen and it did happen, but it's not, it's, it's something disproportionate. It's not something that, 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 that we should have. And, and this fear could, Raksham, in your situation, you have to walk around and you're not able to, and, and you could go to the store and, and, and you have the backup plan, you have a, but, but some people, they're actually like, they're afraid and, and, they're, and, they're, and they're paralyzed by their fear. And so the, the root of the fear the Jewish people had then was that they didn't believe in their connection, their personal connection to Hashem. As it says in the Torah that when they came to Israel, it says in the Torah the words, we were like grasshoppers in our eyes and so were we in their eyes. And the Talmud explains that because they looked at themselves like grasshoppers, they looked at themselves as so, as so insignificant and so small, that's why they were viewed that way by the, um, the giants who lived in, in, in Israel at the time. So in a similar way, that, that when we lose our belief that Hashem is with us, and we lose that, lose that, 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 that feeling of our connection to Hashem, and that, that's what brings all these, all these kinds of unhealthy fear. And the antidote to the fear is to realize that the Abishter believes in you, and he believes in your mission, and you're not going by yourself, and, and you're going with Hashem. But it sort of becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy, just like in a positive way. It was encouraged us you know, so often, again and again, the promise Rebbe said of all our Abayim, think good and will be good. But conversely, a person worries and whatever, it could, it could, it could, um, it could uh, close up or, 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 or confine Hashem's blessings to be limited. Sort of like, like a pipeline of blessing comes from Hashem. The more you trust in Hashem, the wider it gets. And the more you worry, it gets smaller and then less comes through and, 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 and uh, slower. I, I just saw last week, I don't know if I shared this with you last week. Did I? No, I didn't share this last week. Um, there was um, I just saw a letter to the Rebbe, amazing letter about, the Rebbe says it's good for, for, for couples to talk together every day about their trust in Hashem so yeah, it, 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 there's something I wrote this to, to an individual but, but it seems like something like, like we could all take a pa- that, that page of the Rebbe's letter and the goal, take that page home, like the Rebbe said, I've actually told you that this couple should talk about it either together or by yourself, but you should always talk about your belief in Hashem, you should talk about it I was very insinuating about last week about yeah, the, but the previous Rebbe. So, right, so that day, actually, that day, that day, someone asked me to translate a letter to the Rebbe, and I was like, "Wow, this is mamish!" Like, it says clear. A few moments a day, you should talk either with your with your with your spouse or by yourself. So, but if there's, there's a pasuk in Eiv, um, the pasuk. Yay! Well, I actually saw them walking home yesterday. Were they being careful? They were being very careful. <laughs> so he was like, "Are you comfortable with it?" I'm like, "I don't know." But I, was I was really impressed. I was like, "Wow!" wow. I was really impressed. <laughs> I was impressed the way that you that you were comfortable, uh, and I was impressed that they were doing it. They were they were they were looking around. They were waiting like one waiter for the other by the corner. <laughs> Hanan um, got, I think, this corner first. I should, I should put on every WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. But my point is, David's like, are you comfortable with it? I was like, kind of 
telling him all my reasonings, and then I was like, you know, like, I think also about what Frida Gerva said, that every bullet has his address. Every bomb, every bomb has his address. But no, World War, it, was, it was during World, World War II that said every bomb has its address. Every bomb, yeah. I think other people have changed it. <laughs> no. but, but yeah, so I was like, okay, I hear you. But um, anyways, thank you. But I'm so glad I said that. Yeah. And I got to hear from you, your report on them. It was actually the wine Providence. I was there exactly at that moment. The, the, the reason I know the exact words is because um, I was learning Yeshiva in Maristown, and the head of the Yeshiva, Rabbi Greenberg, uh, he went with a group of American boys to visit the previous Rebbe during the World War II. Wow. They came in World War II, and as soon as they got there, okay, so how do we get back? <laughs> so, so it was amazing. They, they went to visit the previous Rebbe, I think it was in Atvatsk in Poland, and when they, and they had to go back, the previous Rebbe has told them, every bomb has its address, and no bomb is going to you. That's what he told them. So um, there was a, there is an Israeli um, writer, his name is Ben David, and he was a soldier during Yom, Yom Kippur War, and he writes about, I mean, he writes about how he was, um, he was, he saw an Egyptian tank, and he was scared, and he fell on the ground, and he put his head into the ground, into the sand, in the desert somewhere in, in the Sinai Desert, and the tank is approaching, and just can't move, he's just paralyzed, and all of a sudden, like, what am I doing? And he gets up, and that's how he saved himself. There, there is, it's possible that, that the, as Eeyu said, what I'm afraid of happens to me. But conversely, the opposite, we, we think good, it opens, the, the, the opens up for all the brachas, all the blessings. They, they, they did this uh, study, a certain Dr. Rosenthal did a study on, on um, officially it was a study on mice, but really it was a study on people. He had these groups of students, who were trying to train these mice to be able to run through mazes in the best way. And they told the students that these mice are, uh, are, are their, 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 their genomes are much better than the other mice, their DNA is much better, much smarter. These mice are, are, are not as smart, and they, should, they should, uh, and they should be aware of that as they're training them to go through the maze. So what happened? They were more successful with the mice that they thought were smarter. The mice, they were exactly the same. There was no difference in one, one mouse to the other. But the, mi- the, mouse, the mice that they thought were smarter, they, uh, they had more success with because of their approach to them. And, and I'm sure you heard of many similar stories with, with schools and yeah. that, that, that they, told, they told these teachers, these, you have gifted students, and it happened more than once, that the, that the teacher believes that students are gifted, all of a sudden the, the students become gifted because, because of the belief the teacher has in them. So, bottom line, we're getting from this this, um, uh, their tears, the, the message we're supposed to take from their tears is that we have to trust in Hashem and believe that if Hashem created me, then I have the power to do it, to do, fulfill His mission here. Remendel Futafas, I don't know if it's, this is actually, for, for, I heard the name of Remendel Futafas, but I think it has other sources as well. That uh, you, you, you've um, probably seen this or heard about this in, 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 the, in circuses. They, 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 the elephants are attached to these little, you know, metal chains, which the elephant could easily rip apart and leave the circus. But the elephant is bound by these little metal chains, and the reason why the elephant is bound, even though the elephant could easily leave, is because, as a baby, the elephant was attached to the middle chain and got used to obeying the words of the uh, of the people, the crew who run the circus. And so, so the elephant thinks, "I'm stuck." In a similar way, there are, there are people that that have that um, they got so used to. Um, looking at things a certain way, and they, they, they think that it, 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 it um, that, 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 that they don't trust that Hashem could be with them and help them. And they, it's, it's a painful thing, um, and it chains people into being 
in, confined in um, uh, and not, not allowing them to, to be able to flourish and to do and to fill them, what, what Hashem wants them to do in the world to be successful. Um, and this helps us understand another, another thing about the story. It really doesn't make sense, the story, in the first, on the, in the first glance, because what did they say, the spies, when they came back from Israel? They said, there's no way Hashem can conquer the land of Israel. Now think about this. The, they came back from the land of Israel, and they're telling everybody what they saw. Now, they just had breakfast, or they're going to have dinner, and what did you have for breakfast today? Today we had for breakfast, we had the man. Which supermarket do you buy the man in? Oh, the supermarket, what are you talking about? The man comes from heaven. And the man is, a, you know, this, this, this uh, godly food that could taste like anything you want. It tastes like, not only that, I just learned this week, and I never heard this before, the man came with perfume. And any perfume wanted also. And people had no... Yes, also the diamonds. Yeah, mine came with diamonds. I forgot about that once you told me. Let him go. Let him go. Just let him go. That's amazing. That's amazing. So the mom came... So, so here are these people. So... So... So the point is that they saw open miracles every day. They see the cloud, their clothing grew with them in the, in, in the desert. The Torah says, they also didn't have to, um, they dry clean it, and then come with and those, and those nasty, those nasty, um, <laughs> they didn't have those nasty uh, staples and stickers. Yeah, you, if, you just they dry clean it, you have, to, you have to pay for it, same day, immediate, and uh, the stickers. And, and, so, and there they saw how Hashem conquered not just the largest superpower at the time, but also the only superpower, the Talmud says that Egypt was a Moshe people, which means they governed the whole world. So they saw how Hashem was able to vanquish Egypt, which was not just the strongest, but the superpower of the world. So how is it that, and, and all the 31 kings that they had to encounter in Israel were all, were all subservient to Pare, to the Pharaoh. So, so if they see how Hashem was doing all these miracles, and why did, they, why did not only they think that Hashem couldn't conquer the land of Israel, but they convinced all the Jewish people to think that as well. And even more, when Kalev, that's good, that's not plastic, is it? Yeah, that When Kalev responds to them, not yeah, only, uh, <laughs> not only does Kalev, you would think that Kalev, when he has to respond to them, what would Kalev say? Kalev would say, are you guys crazy? Don't you see all the miracles? Kalev doesn't say that. Kalev just says, we will go up, and we will go to the land of Israel. Ole Nala, we will ascend to the land of Israel. Why does he say to them, are you guys think, are you serious? You really believe them? Kali doesn't answer with any logic. There's a lot of logic he could say, but he doesn't say logic. He just says, we will go up to the land of Israel. Why doesn't he just answer what they're saying? Some people say that um, the reason why um, the Jewish people believed them is because they got used to the miracles. They didn't really attribute the miracles to Hashem. They got, you know, oh yeah, the man falls, the man comes up. That's what some say, like, like Yankel, Yankel started selling uh, bagels and, uh, in, in, on Fifth Avenue, and he sold bagels, and this guy sees Yankel, a new immigrant trying to make his way in this country, and he says, ah, I'm going to buy a bagel. How much are bagels? Bagels are $3. He gives him $3, because I don't need the bagel. And then, a few months later, every day the guy's coming to him with $3, and he's refusing the bagel. And one day, he comes to Yankel, and he gives the $3. Yankel chases after him. Yankel says, the price has gone up. <laughs> now it's five dollars. So, so some say that that's that 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 was the issue, but it's it's very difficult to say that though because we're talking about something which had just happened. They just saw these miracles so vividly to believe that Hashem couldn't, do, and they seen, they're still seeing it. It's hard to say that 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 that's the answer. 
So the answer is like this. The reason why they believed that Hashem couldn't conquer the land of Israel was not because they thought Hashem couldn't do it. It's more like they thought that Hashem wouldn't do it. Why wouldn't he do it? They felt that in Egypt and in the desert, where Hashem had to destroy Egypt and they had to, Hashem had to protect them in this uncivilized place, so that's a place where Hashem... Hashem's behavior, so to speak, Hashem governs the world in that arena, in that realm, in a miraculous way. But when we're going to go to the land of Israel, they knew that they would have to plow and plant the land. They knew that a lot of miracles would stop, which they were right. The, the water from the Rock of Miriam would stop, the manna bread would stop, the clouds would stop. So they thought that since Hashem is stopping a lot of the miracles, so they thought that since the, the miracles are going to stop, so um, uh, there is no... Um, uh, there's no way that in a natural order, in, in, if things are going to flow in a natural way, there's no way we're going to be able to conquer the land of Israel. Only if things run in a supernatural way can Hashem protect us. But if Hashem is changing His frequency, so to speak, and Hashem is going to run, Hashem is going to govern the world in a natural way, so in nature there's no way we're going to be able to conquer the land of Israel. That's what they felt. And this is what Kaliv responded to them. So, so now all of a sudden, before we go to Kali's response, now what Kali said, um, what, what they said is, is, um, is a lot more relevant to us. Because we don't see the bread coming from the sky, we don't see the water coming from the Rock of Miriam. And in the, in the large parts, we are meant to not rely on a miracle, as the Torah says, and we're supposed to function in a, in a natural setting, that Hashem, according to the laws of nature. So you would think now that, that things aren't miraculous. Things are just just natural happening by themselves. It's easy to think that. And therefore, things cannot change in a, radical, uh, in a radical way, because in a dramatic way, because Hashem has decided that He wants to stop the miracles and things have to run in a natural way. That's what they felt. That's, that's how they thought. So Kali's response to them and we could all appreciate how, how the yoke of um, and, 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 and just before I go for, before I go, go to Kali's response there's another no, there's another layer to the spies and their argument and their fear um, the other argument other layer is it wasn't only that they were frightened and they thought Hashem wouldn't do it in the land of Israel they also didn't like the land of Israel they didn't like the land of Israel because in the desert they're free to be spiritual they're free to just focus on spiritual things. They're with Moshe Rabbeinu. They knew Moshe Rabbeinu was going to pass away before they entered Israel. So, so, so they didn't want to leave the desert. They didn't, they're like, this is such a wonderful oasis of spirituality and holiness. Why in the world would we want to leave? So they didn't want to. And they didn't think it was possible to go to the land of Israel because it's going to be natural. It's, it's not going to work. So what did Kalev and Yeshua respond? Kalev said, Olei Nala. Olei Nala is a double expression. Literally, it means we will go up and we will go higher, and we will inherit the land. The double expression means, you think Hashem either governs the world in a natural way, or in a miraculous way, but Hashem is beyond nature, that we see. We see Hashem is beyond, beyond nature. In the desert, we see Hashem is higher than nature. But not only is He beyond nature, He's also, being, he's also beyond being unlimited. He's beyond being limited by being unlimited. In other words, if someone, if Hashem is unlimited, so then He cannot confine himself in nature. If Hashem is functioning in a miraculous way, miracles can't be in nature. That's what they thought. Either it's miraculous or it's natural. It can't be both. But Kali said, 
Hashem is higher than nature. Hashem is also higher than being beyond nature. When you're unlimited, you have limitations. You don't fit in certain spaces, just like a person uh, who is too large has to buy two seats in the plane, right? So if you're too big, you need to have two seats in the plane because you don't fit, you're big. So Hashem, so to speak, they felt that his miraculous thing, his miraculous behavior wouldn't fit in the natural space of the land It wouldn't fit. What was the... the um, What was the first step in conquering the land of Israel? The first step was they went with the Ark of Hashem, the Arin, and, they, and the Kohanim stood in the Jordan River. That was the first step in entering Israel. What does that represent? The Ark, the Arin, we know that on the one hand it had a measurement. The Torah says that it was two and a half amas long and one and a half amas wide. On the other hand, the Torah says it didn't take up space. Where it was placed in Kesh Gadashim, if you measured both sides of the Arin, you would come up with as if the Aaron didn't take up space. So it didn't take up space did, and, and did take up space at the same time. So in a similar way, when we say that the Abishter is, is uh, beyond nature, Kali said you should know he's not just beyond nature. He's beyond being just beyond nature. He's beyond being higher than nature. Hashem tells you to function in nature and yet, as Bashan teaches us, everything that happens to us every moment is a miracle from Hashem. Even while Hashem is telling you to, to function in a natural way, you should know that it's a miracle from Hashem. And therefore, it's possible that although Hashem is telling you to engage in the physical, etc., you're not going to be, as the spies thought, we would be er tzachel They thought we could be consumed by the land. We would be consumed by the earthiness and, the phys- and being involved and obsessed with the physical. There's a... I'm sure you heard the song, Kalalam Kolo, Gesher, Tsar, Miyod, you know that song? No? The whole world's a narrow bridge, and the main thing is not to be afraid. That's the, it's the teaching of Rav Nachman, and there's a song. So, a colleague of mine, um, he has a, a relative who's a, um, a, ge- a general in, uh, in the American army, and uh, this, 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 this um, general visits every so often to his Chabad center, and he taught him this song. And the general was like, what, why are you calling the world a bridge? What's the meaning of a bridge? So he said, a bridge means, a bridge is used to connect two spaces which are distant from each other, which have no connection to each other. And the bridge fuses them together. So too a soul comes to this world. What's the purpose of the soul coming to this world? It's to serve as a, t- t- we're supposed to make a bridge between this world and the world above it. We're supposed to connect the physical and the spiritual. That's why we're here. So the main thing is, not to be afraid, to realize that Hashem believes in you, and Hashem is with you, and you have a connection to Hashem, and your mission is important, that's why He placed you here specifically, He took you out of Ganeid to be here, and they didn't have to be afraid, know, know who's going with you, and that was the, the mistake of the spies, they felt if it's natural, it's not supernatural, if it's physical, it's not spiritual, it can't be both, and uh, by the way, this, this, this guy, this, this, this uh, military guy, he loved this so much. Like every Shabbos, he teaches, and every he, he always tells this to his men in his in his uh, in his watch in his uh, brigade, whatever it's called. He shares this with them. They should know that that, that that's why we're here. So, um, bottom line is, every day we have two parts of our day. We have part of our day which is like the desert, the part the part of the day we spend learning, davening, whatever, and it's part of the day that we are spent in, involved in our Eretz Yisrael, our Israel part of the day, which is involved in the physical. So there shouldn't be a dichotomy, a divergence, a schism, a dissonance between two parts of our day. Just like in the beginning of our day we feel we're with the Abishar, and the is taking care of us or with him, so too we go out to do whatever it is in the physical world, if they realize that there are miracles that are happening every day, and even Hashem tells us to function in a natural way, just like they, Hashem told me to go into Israel and, and, and some miracles would stop, but yet at the same time Hashem did miracles which are beyond nature, and yet 
it was it was within nature at the same time. How could that be? It's 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 that's Hashem's that's who Hashem is. Hashem connects nature beyond with beyond nature. And uh, yeah, that's the bottom line. It ever just concludes this 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 idea by saying that's all within ourselves. But it's not enough to do things with just within, within ourselves. It says that the um, the spies, according to Kabbalah, they didn't want to go down to the realm of speech. They were want to be in the realm of thought, according to Kabbalah. They wanted to stay in their, their desire to be in the holy desert was a desire to stay in the realm of thought. Or another opinion of Kabbalah was they wanted to be in the realm of speech, not in the realm of action. So Rebbe says the idea of speech is communicating with someone else. So you might say, okay, I'll, I'll take care of myself. I won't get submerged in the desert, or whatever. But I, I, I can't. Um, I, I don't. I don't want to deal, deal with anybody else. I don't. I don't want to share this with anybody else. But the idea of going down to the number of speech is that you have to share this with others. And I don't want to share with others, but the other opinion Kabbalah is they don't want to go down to the realm of action. Speech is something we use to communicate with people which are, we speak our language, which know who we are, which, which understand us. So some people you may be feel comfortable with sharing and, and giving and, and, and influencing. Some people made to you look like they're inanimate. They, have no, they, they just can't hear. They're just like talking to the wall. So, so the idea of the spies having to leave the realm of speech going to the realm of action, it's a message for each of us that says that we have to not just impact the people which are in our comfort zone, but to uh, reach out and to bring Mashiach and to reach out to people which, which are not so comfortable. Bechaim. Any questions, comments, criticism?